Welcome to the Enchanted Library, where we turn the pages of books, beautiful and old, living and magical. It's time to curl up, get cozy, and join us on an adventure. Today we're reading From Yourself and Your House Wonderful by H.A. Gerber. Chapter 8. Your Pulleys and Ropes. We have said that the bones or frames of our bodies are all covered with flesh, which lies kind of like a cushion around and over them. It is the flesh which gives our bodies its soft, rounded appearance. The flesh which covers our bones is all made up of muscle and fat, through which run many of the pipes and blood vessels. And we have already learned about the blood vessels and the blood boats, so we know how useful they are. The fat, which is tucked away in the different parts of the body, is also useful. It is made mostly from sugar, and it is stored up so that the blood boats can go and get it and use it whenever anything happens to the stomach, bowels, or liver, so they cannot send fresh supplies of food. The muscles, which we call lean meat in beef, mutton, or any other kind of meat which comes on our tables, are very useful indeed. They are really the ropes by means of which the master pulls the bones here and there to make the body move. These muscles are fine and very elastic, and there are so many of them that they form bunches. The muscles bind all the bones together and keep them in place. If they were not so strong and so elastic, our body framework would wobble and fall apart like a badly jointed doll, or we would be stiff and immovable, so that we would look more like wooden statues than like graceful, active living beings. Besides being something like a house, our body can be compared to a machine. In the latter case, the muscles are the ropes and straps, which can be tightened or loosened, just as the owner of the machine pleases. The muscles not only cover all of the bone framework of the body, but they form part of all the pipes and the room walls and linings. They are everywhere, and everywhere they are useful, as you are going to see. All our muscles are very elastic and ready to obey the least message brought by the nerve telegraph, which runs all through our bodies in every direction. The muscles are so elastic that they can also change their shape in an instant, then stretch out until they are long and thin, or tighten up until they are very short and thick. If you wish to know just how your muscles act, lay your left hand on the upper inner part of your right arm. Now clench your right fist and draw it up toward your shoulder. As you do this, you can feel the tightening of the big muscle between the shoulder and elbow, can you not? In fact, it grows so thick and makes such a bump that you can see as well as feel it. People who use their muscles a great deal have much larger and stronger muscles than those who sit and do nothing. A boy who plays baseball, does gymnastics, rows and swims, or one who works on a farm or at some trade has far more muscle, as it is called, than one who spends his time lolling in an easy chair asking, What shall I do? or crying, I don't know what to play next. Girls who run and jump and play tag, who help mother in the kitchen and housework, and who take care of the baby, also have more and better muscle than those who never do anything active or useful. A child who is very active, who runs about a great deal, and who is never quiet save when asleep, keeps many of its muscles at work all the time. Every time a muscle moves, it uses up a little air and food, and wears out a little of its material. 
when muscles are very busy, they use up more food and air than when they move quietly or are at rest. For that reason, as soon as you begin to move them, the pumping dwarfs send the blood boats out a little faster, for they know the muscles need plenty of food and repairing stuff. The muscles are all fed and kept in good repair by these little blood boats, which, besides food and building materials, bring all the air needed. The muscles are very glad to get this food and air and new building materials to take the place of those that are worn out. Besides, the muscles have to get rid of the bad air, the waste food, and the worn out materials, which those same little blood boats carry swiftly away. If the muscles move so fast that they use up more food and air than the blood boats can bring, even when the pumping dwarfs are sending them out as fast as they can, they soon feel very faint and weak. Then they telegraph up to the master, "'Can't you let us rest? We are tired. Stop a minute so we can get food and air enough, and so we can replace our worn-out material.'" If the master minds this message and makes the body rest, the muscles make up their loss and they soon feel all right again. But if the master pays no heed to the message and keeps the muscles working, they get more and more tired, until they feel so faint they can scarcely do what he wishes. When this happens, they sometimes get cross and jerk. At other times, they are sad and discouraged, and go on in a half-hearted way, until they ache so hard that the master finds it out. Then, as the ache disturbs him, he generally sends word to them to stop moving. Even while the master is sound asleep, the muscles are still at work. They are busy taking in food and air from the blood boats and getting new materials to repair the damage done by moving too fast and too long. If they can get food and air enough while the master is asleep, and if they can get rid of all the waste, get new stuff, and enjoy a wee rest, they will be quite ready for a new day's work when the master awakes. But if the master has not been careful to eat enough good food or drink enough pure water, and if he does not breathe enough fresh air even while he sleeps, the blood boats cannot carry enough supplies to the muscles. Then the muscles cannot repair damages, and when the master wakes up and wants them to go to work, they are not in good condition to do so. Then the master receives a telegram from them saying, We don't feel like working. We are still aching hard. Leave us alone. Some masters pay no attention to such messages as this and make the poor tired muscles work on. Others say, very well, we'll both rest. And then they spend their time eating trash or eat breathing bad air. This kind of rest does tired muscles no good at all. But a wise master thinks, poor little muscles, I did not treat them fairly. They always served me well when I gave them food, air, and rest enough. I must have stinted them in some way. Let's see, what did I do that was wrong? I stopped when they sent word they ached and went to sleep, for I knew the pumping dwarf would send the blood boats to them with food and air. Yesterday I ate plenty of good plain food, so surely the blood boats had enough food to carry. Ah, I remember now what was wrong. I forgot to open my bedroom window last night. While asleep, I breathed the same air over and over again all night long. Of course the blood boats could not get fresh air enough to carry to my tired muscles. That is why they are still cross and tired this morning. I am not a good master. I must be more careful. Now I will go out of doors and take long, full breaths so as to send as much air as I can to these poor muscles. A master who thus finds out why his muscles are cross, and who honestly tries to supply what they need, will generally find that they are quite willing and ready to go to work again as soon as they've secured what they needed so badly. 
the more exercise you take, out of doors especially, when you are sure of having plenty of fresh air all the time, the better it is for your muscles. For when you exercise, you wear out the old muscle, and the blood boats bring materials to make new. With plenty of food, air, and the right materials, good new muscle is made, and everyone knows how much better fresh new things are than those that are old and worn out. That is why parents and teachers urge children to run and play out of doors whenever they can. And that is why you should have plenty of exercise. Children of all ages need exercise, and so do the older people. Only they often need less, because you see their muscles are already full grown. When muscles have enough food, air, and rest, they are apt to be quite healthy. But muscles need plenty of exercise as well as rest. If you wish your muscles to obey you quickly and to do exactly what you wish in the neatest and nicest way, you must first teach them how to do it. The muscles are all willing servants of the master of the house, but he has to train them. If he trains them well, they will do his work well. But if he is careless and lets them do their work in any way they please, it will often be very poorly done. You know how it always is. Good masters make good servants. In some houses, everything is done neatly, the meals ready on time, well cooked, and all run smoothly. Then we say, so-and-so is a fine housekeeper and has beautifully trained servants. Everything runs as smoothly as clockwork in that house. In other places, you find everything at sixes and sevens. The meals are not on time, the food is badly cooked, the rooms are untidy, and people rightly say, so-and-so is a very poor housekeeper. Her servants are lazy and untidy and run the house any way they please. It is very uncomfortable there. Now, since each one of us can train his muscle servants either to be neat, quick, and capable, or to be low, slow, lazy, and untidy, don't you think it's wisest to begin right away and make them really good servants? You know how it is about such a simple matter as throwing a ball. A boy know, who knows just how to do it picks up the ball, gives it a toss, and the ball goes just where he wishes. That is because he has practiced throwing balls until he is a fine pitcher. A girl who has not practiced baseball playing does it in a clumsy way. The ball only goes a little distance or strikes far from the spot where she wished it to go. But a girl can take a needle and thread it neatly and quickly, while a boy trying to do so acts as if his fingers were all thumbs. In both these cases, the muscles, which have done the work often, and which have been trained to do it neatly, quickly, and without any fuss, are good servants, while those which have not been trained cannot do the work well. Girls can learn to throw balls just as well as boys, and boys can learn to thread needles just as well as girls, if only they choose to do so. But it takes practice to do either thing well. If you allow your muscles to get into lazy, roundabout, awkward ways of doing things, you will have a great deal of trouble of breaking them of these bad habits. But still, you can do it. For everyone who is not an idiot or a cripple can train his muscles to do his work well. One day, an artist went into a fellow painter's studio and greatly admired a beautiful picture he had just finished. The figures were so lifelike and the colors so bright that the visitor imagined there must be a secret way of pre preparing them and eagerly said, I'd like to get my colors to glow like that. With what do you mix yours? With brains, sir, answered the painter, angry at being asked such a silly question. Now I'm going to tell you a great secret. 
That is everything we do should be mixed with brains. There is a right and a wrong way of doing everything. Of course, every child who reads this learned to dress himself or herself long ago. You dress yourself every morning, do you not? Many of you even have to dress several times a day. Each time you dress, you call your muscle servants and set them to work. Some children have trained their muscle servants so that they do their work neatly and quickly. The master up in their brain watches these servants closely to see that they do their work properly. He always directs the hands, for instance, to seize and hold the stockings in such a way that they can be pulled on straight and without needing to be twisted and turned to get the toes in the right place or the seam running up the back of the leg. Shoes can be buttoned, garters fastened, and clothes put on in a very few minutes if you watch yourself closely and do everything in the easiest, shortest way. Of course, you have to think about what you're doing if you wish to do it neatly and quickly, or at least you must think about it until your muscles get so used to moving in the right way that they will do it without being reminded. I have seen some children who take an hour or more to get dressed, and then they only look half-dressed for many of their things are put on crooked. But I have seen others who make a game of getting dressed. They run races with their parents, with one another, or even with the clock. If you take off your clothes carefully at night, shake them well, turn them right side out, lay them down or hang them up where you can readily get at them in the morning, you can easily learn to put them on again in less than five minutes. Many grown people who I know can do that part of their dressing in three minutes in summer, five in winter, and look as neat as if they came out of a bandbox. They have trained their muscles so well that every motion is as exact and quick as that of a fine pitcher on a baseball team. The clothes go on just as they wish, and there are no wrong moves or hitches. Many children whom I have seen consider it great fun to watch themselves every time they dress, to see how much better and quicker they can make their muscle servants obey them every day. It takes a great deal of patience before a child learns to dress very quickly. But as every child has to dress and undress at least 365 times each year he lives, it will save him much time to learn to do it quickly and well right now. Let us suppose a child who likes to dawdle, look out of the window, play a little, grumble a little, who spends several minutes hunting around for missing shoes or stockings, buttons up her clothes crooked, and so has to unbutton and button them up again. Such a child takes from half an hour to an hour, merely putting on her clothes. For we are not talking now of washing, hair combing, toothbrushing, or nail cleaning. In a year, a child who takes half an hour to dress every day has spent 182 and a half hours putting on her clothes. But the child who uses muscles and brains in such a way as to do the same work in 10 minutes, it can be done in five, spends only a little more than 60 hours dressing. The quick child, therefore, has about 122 hours more to spend in play or sleep or anything he or she chooses to do than the slowpoke. Now, it is just the same with everything else you undertake. And if you use your brains, you can train your muscles to do the same work just a little quicker and better every day you live. Servants who set the table and wash the dishes three times a day could save themselves ever so many steps and gain much more time if they only used their brain to train their muscles properly. But a good part of the time, they do not think what they're doing. 
or just half think about it. And so their muscles work just as they please. When a mistress has to do her servant's work, she is often surprised to see how quickly it can be done if she only thinks ahead, fixes things so as to have them handy, and takes as few steps and makes as few unnecessary motions as possible. If you have to set tables, wash dishes, dust rooms, empty ashes, cut wood, harness horses, run errands, and merely get ready for school, just watch yourself and see whether you do it in the quickest, shortest, easiest, and neatest way. I'm sure most of you will find that you can teach your muscle servants new and better ways, which will be a great help later on. I know a lady who has trained herself to do all her housework so beautifully and so quickly, it seems almost like magic. She can go into the kitchen, cook the dinner, wash up all the dishes, pots, and pans, and never get a speck of dust or the least little stain upon her best dress. She, her kitchen, and her whole house are always as neat as wax. This lady often says, laughing, that God gave her brains so that she could train her muscles. She also declares that she is far too lazy to be willing to spend all her time cleaning up the mess she makes and doing her daily housework. She is so smart and so quick that she has plenty of time to sew, go out calling, play on the piano, to read and to paint, and still, she really does much more work than many women I know who spend all their time fussing over it. Don't you think, therefore, that it pays to use one's brains to train one's muscles? If you use yours wisely while you are young, you can get your muscles in such good order by the time you are grown up that you can do much in a short time with little fuss or worry or fatigue. Now, every baby moves his arms and legs about, clutches at all he sees, and pokes things into his mouth. That is baby's way of learning all about himself and about the strange things all around him. Everything is new, and he has to find out for himself all about the world he lives in. A baby can learn all his first lessons far better than anyone else can teach him. But when he gets old enough to notice what you are doing and to imitate you, you can begin to teach him useful things just as easily as pretty tricks. There was a baby once who always wanted to go from one room into the other because the door between stood open the greater part of the time. This baby could creep very nicely, but as there was a high step between the two rooms, the other members of the family were kept running from morning till night to save her from a bad fall. An older brother who had to watch the baby, and who did not enjoy being disturbed so often in his play, finally used his brains to some purpose. He knew the baby liked to do whatever he did. So he set, down near the, set her down near the step, crawled toward it on his hands and knees, turned around, lay down flat on his stomach, and reached down first with one foot and then the other. When both his feet were down in the lower room, he sat down and crept on. As soon as the baby crept to the step, he turned her around, made her lie flat, put her feet down in the lower room, made her sit down, and then let her creep on. Baby was delighted with this new game, which was repeated several times. After that, whenever she drew near the step, the big brother, instead of lifting her down as before, made her get down by herself. And before night, Baby could do it all alone, and enjoyed it very much as if it were a fine joke. A few days later, to save himself the trouble of lifting Baby up the step, this same brother showed her how to hold on by the door jam, to raise one knee up on the step, then lie flat upon it, pull up the other foot, and creep on. I also know a wise mother who, instead of always giving her baby a spoon and tin pan to play with, sometimes gave her a loop button hook. 
Several times, she showed the baby how to hold this button hook, how to put it in the buttonholes in her shoes, how to push it through them and over the buttons, and how to draw it back with one hand while using the other to hold the buttonhole in place. Before long, this baby loved to play with the button hook and with her shoes. And before she could walk, she had already learned to button her own boots and loved to do it. In fact, it seemed such fine fun to her that she gurgled and cooed while doing it and laughed and shouted with glee when it was all done. It was such a nice game for baby that her mama had to unbutton her shoes time and again every day so she could button them up again. But the good mother knew that this was all fine practice for her baby's little muscles, and so she did it gladly. Later on, this mother was very happy indeed that her little girl could button her own shoes, at an age where most little ones two and three years older always had to have it done for them. It is very much kinder to show a little child carefully and patiently how to do a thing, than let him do it himself rather than do it for him. Of course, older people can do the thing much quicker and better, but baby's muscles have to be trained early and often if they are to make good servants for him later on. Children of your age can train the baby in themselves in many ways, and thus help their parents and teachers. They will help them grow up clever and graceful, as well as strong and healthy men and women. A boy or girl who learns to do any motion as quickly or as well as it can be done has gained just so much and will be able to learn anything else much more easily. That is why every child should do school gymnastics and drill with all his heart, for all those motions are part of the training of his muscle servants. In times of war or danger, men with well-trained minds and muscles can quickly learn to do anything that is needful. But men who think little, and whose muscles are stiff and untrained, need a great deal of drilling before they are of any use. For instance, a drill sergeant once had to teach some very stupid country boys how to march. He called right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, until he was hoarse. But these lads did not seem to know which foot was right and which was left. It was all in vain. In despair, the sergeant finally bade these stupid youths tie a wisp of hay around one foot and a wisp of straw around the other. Then he began the drill all over again, saying, Hay foot, straw foot, hay foot, straw foot, until he had taught them how to march properly. You see, these lads knew the difference between hay and straw, which they had often seen, and the sergeant had brains enough to find out this way to teach them what they had to learn. In many schools, especially in cities, the children go through the fire drill very often because the teachers know that when their muscles are thoroughly trained, they won't be likely to make any mistakes and that all can get out of the building safely even if it does catch fire. Every child should therefore do his best to learn the drill well and to obey every order as quickly and exactly as he can. Then, if the master of his little house keeps cool in time of danger and does not bother the muscle servants by giving them wrong orders, all will be well, for the muscles know their duty and will be sure to do it. The mother of a four-year-old boy trained her little son to drop everything and everything and run to her whenever she called him in a certain way. One day, she was out walking with a little fellow who was standing some distance ahead of her. They were near a field where some big boys were playing baseball. The mother saw a swift ball coming and called her little son, who turned instantly and ran back to her. A second after he turned, the ball came whizzing across the walk, just at the spot where the child had been a moment before. 
the mother said that nothing but his prompt obedience saved his life, for the ball certainly would have struck his temple with such force that the blow would have proved fatal. You can imagine how thankful the mother was to have trained her boy to obey right away. If she had allowed him to get into the habit of saying, yes, mama, in a minute, or of asking why, before he obeyed, his life would have been lost. While girls should train themselves as soon as they can to do all sorts of housework, boys can learn to drive in nails and do all kinds of carpenter work deftly. Every kind of knowledge is useful sometime or other, and I never heard anyone regret that he knew how to do anything really well. Many boys only think of growing very strong so as to lift great weights to surprise people or do other feats of strength. But such muscle training is not of much use, and the efforts made are likely to do great harm in the end. It is far, far better to be a skillful workman in any trade than a champion prize fighter or a lifter of great weights. If you have a chance to do so, boys, it is well to learn to fence and box. To fence or box well, you have to give your muscles considerable training, which will make them strong and supple without straining them in any way. Such training will besides enable a boy to hold his own, should he ever have to do any fighting. For there are times, you know, that even the most peaceable men or boys are forced to fight. I would advise any boy to keep out of a fight just as long as he can, but if he sees a big boy bully a little one and cannot make him stop in any other way, he should give that bully a good thrashing. In fact, a man or boy's strength is given him to defend himself against any attack, to fight for his country, and to protect girls, women, children, and all those who are weaker than himself. The other day I saw in a newspaper that a young woman was kept at work over hours and started to go home alone at 10 o'clock at night. It was in a big city, and while she was waiting at the corner of the street for a car, a man stepped up and spoke to her. This man must have either been drunk or bad, and he must have said something very horrid, for the young woman started back and looked around in a frightened way for a policeman. There was no officer in sight, and the rough man was just going to seize her arm, when another man, passing by, pounced upon the ruffian and gave him the thrashing he so richly deserved. The newspaper said that the nice man was young and slender, and not nearly so tall and strong as the one he had attacked. But his muscles were well trained, and his indignation gave him the necessary strength to defend the woman. He did not annoy her by speaking to her, or try to gain her notice in any way, but he held the ruffian down till she had stepped into her car and was out of harm's way. As there was no policeman there at the time to protect this lone woman, the young stranger did quite right to interfere and take the law into his own hands, and everyone admires him for it. Every boy and man should learn to treat every girl and woman just as he would like other men and boys to treat his mother, his sister, or his wife. He should be always ready to protect them from rough men and to give them any help in his power whenever they need it. The boy heroes whom we hear about, who have saved people from drowning, from burning buildings, or who have stretched children or old people from in front of locomotives or runaway horses, did not become heroes in a minute or even in a day. When the moment of danger came, their minds and muscles, always on the lookout to help others or to do a kind deed, merely acted in the usual way, without needing any prompting. But selfish and lazy boys never become heroes for they are used to think of themselves only, and not of others. 
and their muscle servants have gotten into such bad habits that they are quite useless in the times of sudden need. So, if you ever hope to be a hero, and to risk your own life without any hesitation to save another, you should begin right away to train yourself to think of others before you think of yourself. You should, besides, teach your muscle servants to be always ready and willing to serve others, and by and by they will be so used to doing it that they will move in the right way almost before you know it. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and share our podcast with a friend. Visit our website at www.enchantedlibrary.net to see our past books or to connect with us on Facebook. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash enchantedlibrary. We appreciate your support. Until next time, friends, happy reading.